If you've been a Christian for any good amount of time, sooner or later you'll come across that one guy who seems to have never gotten the memo. Because he doesn't want to eat pork, he doesn't want to eat shellfish, but didn't, I mean, Jesus proclaim all foods to be clean and didn't Peter get that vision? In fact, that's the first thing you tell him. You, you say, hey, bro, like, listen, why are you still worried about the Old Testament stuff? Because don't you know about Peter's vision? And he's like, well, what, what do you mean? Well, look, Peter had this vision, right, where all these animals came down and, and God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I mean, how clear could it be? It's right there, right? Today, I want you to take a step back. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to consider some a new perspective today about that passage and about that vision that Peter received, because I actually think that this is very simple. I actually think that Peter's vision is very simple, not because it's easy to interpret a vision, because visions are hard to sometimes understand if you've ever had a dream from God or a vision from God, you know, oftentimes it's very metaphorical, it's abstract. But in this vision, God tells Peter what it all means, like he spells it out for him, literally. And I want you to come on a little journey with me under the condition that you'll take off any previous religious glasses and perspectives on what you think this says. And let's look, let's just look at what it says with new eyes, with a new perspective, kind of starting from the ground up as if you've never read the passage before. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us like the deepness and beauty of this passage, because the thing is, brothers and sisters, what's really broken my heart is that it's such a beautiful, powerful passage, but people from all of all sorts, no matter what side of the camp you're on, whether you, you believe we can eat unclean food or whether you believe we can't eat unclean animals, whatever camp you're on, many camps are missing what this is all actually about. And so let's look at what it's actually about. Let's, let's dive right in. So I'm going to start off here in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, and, and we read this. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to his housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Okay, and he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet ascending, being laid down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And, they were, and there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. Okay, two things. First off, Peter's getting a vision. And this vision he is receiving came, it started with him praying. It says at the sixth hour, he went to pray on the rooftop. So it tells us that that intimacy with God is where he speaks to us and even can give us visions. Okay, but in this vision, right, he sees the animals come down and God's voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, like, like I said earlier, well, it seems really obvious. It seems that God is saying these animals are dropping down. You are now supposed to eat them. But Peter's response is intriguing. He says, 
I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And he says, I will not do this. He rejects what he initially thinks this may mean. You know, he his on his on first thought, he thinks, oh, is God saying I should eat these animals? And he says, no, I cannot do that. Okay. And that's strange. Let me tell you why. Peter has been with Jesus. Peter has been walking with Jesus for years at this point. Jesus has ascended by now. Right. And Peter never got the memo. You could just think that, you know, with them eating together and drinking together and and being together all the time, that at some point Jesus would be like, hey, Peter, oh, by the way, you can eat what you want, man. Don't worry. We've got pork tonight. We've got our shellfish tonight. Like, it's okay, man. Chill out. Uh, you know, but but that's that never happened. Okay, Peter is still under the impression after the resurrection of Christ that he cannot eat anything unclean. That's what he is saying. Okay, and the second thing we need to understand is that he was confused by this vision. Now, if the guy who receives the vision, okay, the one who saw it with his own eyes. Not me or you who's just reading it from like what he's saying happened, but he's the guy who saw it. If he is saying, I don't know what this means. No, I cannot do this. I am confused by this. Then we should not be quick to be like, what do you mean, Peter? I know what this means. No, we should wait on the Lord to show Peter what this means. We can't jump to conclusions if Peter, the guy who received the vision is confused. So before we make any kind of decisions on what this means, the writer is basically telling us, stand back, wait, because God is going to show Peter what's up. So let's read on verse 15. It says, and the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing that was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry of, for Simon's house, stood at the gate. Okay, so we see now that the voice of God comes and says, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, the big question that's going to clear everything up for us is really this, this, this. It's. What is he talking about when he says what God has made clean? What is he talking about? Is he saying God has made animals clean? Do not call them common. Or is he talking about something else? This is the question. And it says to give us a hint on what God is talking about what this thing is he has made clean. It says in the next verse, this happened three times, three times. The vision basically repeated itself. We're going to find out soon what that refers to. And again, I want to emphasize again how Peter is inwardly perplexed at the vision. Still, he's confused as to what it means. So at this point, we need to be confused, too, basically until further revelation is given. We when we get visions, we pray for interpretation and God gives the revelation. You don't just jump to conclusions when you get a dream from God, even if it seems obvious, it's oftentimes not obvious because these things, dreams and visions and prophecies, they all require supernatural 
interpretation given to you by the Father. And if you just jump to conclusions, you'll often miss what he's actually trying to say. One of the big things is, why is Peter confused? Why can't Peter just jump to conclusions? Well, first of all, Peter knows better than to jump to conclusions with dreams and visions. He is, he is a person who understands that dreams and visions are abstract and metaphorical oftentimes and require interpretation by the Lord. But secondly, he also understands that God is not about to abolish his own law. And it, it, it would be weird for God to do so because God has never done that before. And this would be the first time that has ever happened if God is now about to abolish Leviticus, where the unclean food is determined. So this would be a big jump, a big leap for God to do such a thing. That's why Peter is shocked by it. So... Let's now see what God shows Peter. In verse 19, we read now, and while Peter was pondering the vision, because he's still confused, what does it mean? The spirit, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's interesting, right? Earlier we read about the vision occurring three times over and over and over. And now we see three men are looking for you. So could it be that this vision of what we should not call unclean is has got something to do with these men standing by Peter who are now looking for Peter. So we now see Peter is taken to Cornelius's house by these three men. Cornelius is a Gentile. And we read in verse 28, he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation, a Gentile. But God has shown me, here it comes, here it comes. God has shown Peter what the vision means. And he says that, you ready for it? That I should not call any person common or unclean. God has shown me by this vision that I should not call any person common or unclean. You remember earlier we talked about what the big question was when God says in verse 15, what God has made clean, do not call uncommon. Now Peter says, God has shown me. I God was talking about people that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now what's the big deal? Why is this a big deal? Why does God have to show Peter this? Because you need to understand that when he says it is not lawful for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit their house and eat with them, it's because he's talking about something that was happening in the first century, something not in the law of God. Now, listen, this is important, very important. The law, the Torah, the law of God. And the Bible never says that a Jew can't associate with or eat or be with someone of another nation. That's not in the Bible. However, he said, it's not, you know, you guys know it's unlawful for me to do that. Now, where is he? What is he talking about? He's not talking about biblical law. He's talking about unbiblical laws in the first century that many Jews held on to and even hold on to today, some still. But these laws were tradition. They weren't, they were man-made inventions not found in your Bible. In fact, 
Um, I watched an interview the other day where a man just went around talking to extremist Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Jews in Israel. And they and he asked him, have you ever met with a Gentile? Have you ever seen or associated? He's like, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never talked to a Gentile. I've never visited a Gentile's house. I, we don't associate with people who are of the nations. That is their perspective because that's what their law, not Bible, their rabbinic tradition has taught them to do. Okay, This is the exact same thing that was happening back there. And Peter still had the, some of that baggage of, you know, some of the, I can't go and eat with some of the, pagan nations because they are as they believe in their law unclean unclean they they will make me defiled dirty unholy if i come and eat with them so as you can imagine that's a big problem right if you believe that about other people how how in the world will you be able to share jesus with them like this is a huge issue and so when you look into, I want to tell you that when you look into that word that it, that is used as unlawful, right? It is got to show me, you guys know how unlawful it is not to call any person common or unclean. That word for unlawful is not a typical word that's usually used for unlawful. That, that's a strange word that's used in the Greek there. It's the word athemitos. And it's not the same as usually used, you know, like in the book of Matthew, where Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He's talking about lawlessness, Greek anomia. That is a that is a typical word that's used for like lawlessness, breaking God's law, biblical law. But in this case, what we see is that this word is instead athematos. And this word is more of a word that's referred to as it refers to things that are like taboo. Like if I, if there's something culturally, like let's just say tattoos are taboo in a culture or, you know, unlawful, like culturally unlawful or traditionally unlawful, a taboo thing, right? We would refer to that as athematos, the word that, that P, uh, Peter is using here when he's talking about the unlawfulness of not being able to eat with someone who's from a different nation. Okay, so brothers and sisters, you need to understand that in the first century, like association was everything like like that's why the Pharisees came after Jesus so hard. You know, they, they were coming after him and saying, you eat with sinners and tax collectors, you know, Mark 216. Why can how can you do that? You are then just like them. You see, in their mind, that's how they think, because who you associate with is who you are. But we know that that's not necessarily how it works, right? Jesus sends us into places and among people to, quote unquote, associate with people as in eat with people, speak to people, be around people sometimes, not not to befriend them per se, but to witness to them if they are sinners, if they are lost and in the world. Okay, so um, this is a thing that Jesus is introducing that's very weird and different for Jewish culture at the time. Now, here's the question, right? What is the reason for the actual food instructions? Why did God tell us to not eat pork or shellfish? You know, in Leviticus 11, he tells us the reason. 
Many people have come up with many reasons. You know, they've said a lot of things from, oh, that was to let Israel look different from the nations. And that was to let them um, escape the diseases uh, of the day because they didn't have modern medicine. Or, you know, there are many reasons people have come up with. But but it's, it's in the chapter. Like, he says why. And, and I'm not saying that any of those other reasons I just mentioned aren't a factor. But, but the reason that God gives is the following. He says in Leviticus 11.45, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. The reason, he says, you are not to partake in eating unclean animals is because I desire for you to be holy as I am holy. I desire for you to be as I am. Now, how was Jesus? Did Jesus eat unclean food? No, he just casted demons into them. He he didn't eat unclean animals. He just casted demons into pigs. He he didn't do that. And he was holy. And how he says, be holy, for I am holy. You say, well, Peter, you're going too far. How am I going too far? This is what the Bible says. Peter quotes, be holy, for I am holy. He quotes that we ought to be holy as he is holy. And he's quoting from Leviticus 11.45. That's the place in the, the old where that phrase was invented. And it's right next to how we ought to eat. Now, look. How, how we can ask, well, why is that too important to God? How is that? Why does that matter to God? You see, God, God is concerned with what is entering our temples, because remember, he's building a temple of the Holy Spirit and a temple of the Holy Spirit. If that's it, you know, think about how meticulous he was with the temple that he instructed um, Moses to build. Right. So meticulous. Some the measurements, the the decorations and everything was was somewhat strange sometimes, but meticulous. And in the same way, he is meticulous of how you decorate and what you put inside your temple because his Holy Spirit is to indwell it. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that what is actually being taught in the book of Acts chapter 10 has got nothing to do with whether we should eat or unclean food or not, because that's not I don't think that it doesn't seem to be what Peter's getting from it. It's got everything to do, however, with who you can associate with, who you can eat with, who you can enter, whose house you can enter. And this is a big deal because even today, people oftentimes will say, oh, look, that pastor, he entered the house of this other guy and we don't agree with him because he's a false prophet. But how do you know that pastor didn't enter that guy's house to instruct him in, in, in righteousness? It's 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 dangerous to just throw stones and accuse because that's what the Pharisees did. They accused Jesus of, of, of dining with tax collectors and sinners. But yet he why was he there? He said, I do not come for those who are healthy, but the sick. And so that's what we are supposed to be doing. So we shouldn't judge Christians for entering houses of sinners. But our hearts have to be right in trying to reach them. And that has to be the reason. Otherwise, what fellowship does light have with darkness? There's a difference between fellowship and association. I can associate with someone, speak to them, try and win their heart and soul for God. But fellowshipping with them, as in being friends with them, with no um, goal of discipleship, with no goal of leading them to the Lord. Okay, that's that's different.
And that's that's not good. Okay. And what is the result of this vision of this fruit? What, what does it produce? What's the point of it all? Well, we see that Peter goes into the house of Cornelius and we read in Acts 10 45, while Peter was still saying these things, proclaiming to them the gospel about Christ and his resurrection, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, that is Jews, they were around him and they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? Like, how do they know that the that the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles? Oh, it says in the next verse, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. There is a sign that followed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so much so that they were shocked. They perceived it as a miracle. So they spoke in tongues. That was the sign. And they were praising God. And it says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now, let me ask this question. What's the point of them speaking in tongues in this in this chapter? Since. You know, there was no interpreter. There is no one of a different phonetic language present there who needed to hear this to be drawn to repentance. This was just them speaking in tongues. And, you know, what about Paul? Paul says, you know, I don't let anyone speak in tongues if there's no interpreter. So what's up with that? Well, why is there no interpreter? And what's the point of them speaking? You see, brothers and sisters, there is no interpreter here. They are not in the church service because Paul, when he talked about the need for an interpreter, that is for church services where unbelievers may enter and be confused. Here we have them in a closed house, okay? And it's these these people they are being filled with the spirit. They're being touched. Their sign of speaking in tongues is occurring. And now we see that this is what um, makes everyone say, wow, they're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, Paul mentioned that there is a gift of tongues that is also for not speaking to men, but to God, for no one understands him, for he speaks mysteries in the spirit. He goes on and says about this, that this man who speaks in tongue builds up himself, himself, not others. So there is a application that is for building up others and there's an interpreter and and it, and, it, and that's the interpretation is given and, and it exhorts and it, it blesses people hearing it, but there's also one where oftentimes when people were baptized in the spirit, they spoke in tongues, but this wasn't necessarily for there to be interpreter like in Acts chapter two, initially here, this was just them building up themselves, extolling, praising God. Okay. That's the point. And so, um, the other thing that's interesting here is that Peter says, let's water baptize them. And the water baptism was talked about after they were spirit baptized. So we see there's a difference between water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. And in this case, at least we had Holy Spirit baptism happen first and then water baptism. This is not a formula. You can get water baptized first and then Holy Spirit baptized. We see that in other places in scripture. But the point is just that these are two separate things and they happen independently of one another. And that's something that independently needs to be needs to be sought out as well. Okay, so you may be like PD, you know, you talked earlier about the um, 
vision and, and I'm not with you. I don't, I'm not sure about that, you know, and, and that's fair. So I'd like for you to listen a bit further because right now we're going to dig into just a few verses, four verses here into chapter 11. Because what's about to happen is that the certain Pharisees of the circumcision party heard of what Peter was doing, that he entered the house of someone who he was not supposed to enter according to their own laws, not biblical law, but their own laws. And they found issue with this. And Peter then comes and reiterates what God has shown him the vision actually means. And let's hear what he says, because if the vision means guys, God has shown me we can eat wherever we want. Um, forget about the unclean food laws. Forget about Leviticus. It's OK. That's what God showed me. Praise God. OK, let's go on with our lives. That would be what he's about to say. Right. So but let's see what he says. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men, that is Gentiles, and you ate with them. And then we read Peter describing what happened. And he says in verse nine, the voice came to me from heaven as the animals were coming down and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. And then we read in verse 18, as Peter described it, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What these men are deducting from the vision and the interpretation that God gave Peter is that Gentiles can now also hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit is available to them and that Peter can go into and anyone else who has the gospel can go into their homes and proclaim the gospel and that the law the, the, of the of Judaism that said that you cannot do that is not a teaching of Jesus and not applicable for Christians. Christians. You see, brothers and sisters, if this was we can all eat unclean, yay, we can all eat pigs, we can now eat shellfish. Jesus reversed the laws of Leviticus and he abolished it. If that's what's happening, this would be so huge that these Pharisees would be like so shocked and they would have a hundred more questions because Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. And the problem with this all would then be that if Peter's vision was to abolish God's a part of God's law, this would be the first law ever to be abolished. And this would bring question to his vision because if we get a vision and that vision or dream is in contradiction with God's law, and it tells us to abolish God's law, that dream or vision is not from God. Read Deuteronomy 13 and you'll read how God warns us. If someone who does miracles, a prophet, one who gets dreams or visions comes to you and says you need to get away from God's law, don't do that. You don't need to worry about God's law. That man is a false prophet. Now, you see, these men know Deuteronomy 13 better than you and me, like the back of their hand, because they know the Torah and prophets well. And they would not just be like, oh, this is all fine, Peter. But see, that's not what they're getting out of this, because Peter never said once. Guys, we can eat whatever we want now. But what Peter does say is God has shown me that we shall not call any man common or unclean. 
That's what Peter got. That's what the Pharisees who were believers got. And that's what me and you should be getting. And if we try and say something more of this, that this is telling us something more that's just not being said, we're reading our own interpretation into a dream and a vision. That's just that's weird. That's that's not how you do dreams and visions. And anyone who has who receives dreams and visions on any regular basis would tell you that interpretation must be sought from God. So this teaching in Acts 10 and part of 11 was all about God showing us that we should not be afraid of reaching nations or people who we may consider unclean. But that the gospel is for all. It was not about God saying, I want you to get a new teaching about a new diet that I'm giving you. You need to understand that even though today in this Western culture, things like eating pork and shellfish and all these, it's a very common and normal thing. And I understand that. But you need to understand that in the first century, this was a very weird thing. It was you need to understand in Leviticus 11, it was called an abomination by God for people to eat unclean food. So when you go to the first century, when God, people are still being obedient to God in this way, for the most part, it would be extremely weird for you to go and eat pork. And I want to submit to you that this is um, the, the, the weirdest thing today is not supposed to be people not eating unclean food, but the weird thing is supposed to be people eating it because that was was weird in the time of Jesus and those among Jesus and for Jesus, because Jesus never touched unclean food. And so you may be like, Peter, I'm still not convinced because, well, didn't Jesus say, um, you know, Jesus, he talked about this further and he says, you know, what comes out of a man is what defiles him, not what enters it. And and, and, and there's many verses like these and you can bring them up and, I, and I'm sure they're just flooding your mind right now. Now, if you're interested in if, if let me say it like this, if what I have said thus far have been like, hmm, I'm not sure, but this is I've never thought about it this way. I've never seen it this way. And if you have at least one percent of curiosity about this, Please go into the teach the next teaching that I'm about to send you to. And that is called why Jesus casted the demons into pigs. In that teaching, I go into every single verse about Jesus talking about unclean food. And I explain what Jesus really meant. And I promise you that at the end of it, You'll have a few things to chew on if you prayerfully go to the Father with these things. Don't trust me. Don't trust me. Don't take my word for any of this. Go to the Father, pray about it, but don't just ignore it because your pastor has told you otherwise or someone else has told you otherwise, because ultimately you're going to stand before God one day and I'm going to stand before God one day because, you know, I was told that I've been I've been taught other things before I've been taught many different things. But when I looked and read, read the verses myself, I found, well, wow, God. And then I go to all the other. But what about this verse? But what about that verse? And then I found, well, look, guys, there's there's an explanation for many things that many of us haven't seen when we when we read them through our religious glasses, take them off and look clearly and you will see the Jesus 
of the Bible, the Jesus who followed his father's instructions. So go watch that video if you're interested. I'll link it in the description of this video and up here. If this teaching has blessed you, subscribe, like and share it with your friends and tune in for our next episode in the Acts series as we dig into these amazing verses in the Bible.